that's so interesting. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, that is very interesting. Please tell me more. Very interesting. Marty, that was very interesting. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to That's So Interesting, the podcast where we discuss what we think are objectively interesting things. I'm Graham, and alongside me, as always, are Brandon and Brian. Fellas, how are you doing today? I'm hungry. How are you guys doing? Quite stuffed. For our listeners out there, we just finished a uh, chicken wing eating contest. No big deal. Absolutely slaughtered the competition that was against me, a.k.a. Graham. But I am stuffed to the brim. We generally both regret our decisions. I'm not even upset that I lost because I have one less wing inside of me, and I think that counts for something right now. Yeah, he lost by one, so it's, I didn't slaughter anybody. The only thing we slaughtered tonight was those poor chickens. May they rest in peace. Yeah, poor chickens, man. All right, on today's show, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, something that's been in the news quite a bit recently with the... Uh, um, progress that's being made in terms of artificial intelligence in vehicles. There have been many conversations going on regarding the ethical dilemmas that a driver, whether human or AI, might have to make while on the road. And so I think I'd love to dive into you know what those decisions should be and um, how things differ in different parts of the parts of the world in terms of responses. Uh, because what's happened is there has been a large-scale survey that's been distributed worldwide online, um, and it's called The Moral Machine, so anyone can go and look it up and go through the dilemmas themselves. But essentially, uh, the results showed that depending on where you were in the world, different people prioritize different things in life-or-death situations. For example, who should be saved in terms of age, seniority you know like that sort of thing and so one one theme that stood out was that it was generally respected that in any scenario the person or the the vehicle without a person in it should save the most people possible um but i'll put that out to you guys is there any situation in which you don't think that's the case or should not be the case well, let me back it up for a second. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see self-driving cars in our lifetime? Absolutely. Yes. We already have. So, okay. So let me ask you this. How many years do you think it'll be before, like, they're mass-produced on a level where everybody has a self-driving car? And I know Tesla has its autopilot mode where basically it drives for you and it uses artificial artificial intelligence to, to learn the roads, uses Google Maps, it... Um, you know, the technology there is, we don't have to get into that, but the technology there is, is obviously exists, mm-hmm. but there's the entire legal side of, is it legal to have a vehicle that drives by itself? And can we trust that? Is it going to be hacked? So I think there's still a lot of barriers, like the technology exists, but I think there's still a lot of barriers in place um, that are going to stop this from eventually happening like tomorrow. Definitely. So how many years do you think it'll be before we actually get there? Yeah. Um, I mean, one big push that we've already seen from a lot of governments within North America, at least, is uh, the investment in infrastructure to upgrade our cellular systems to 5G. There is 
statistically and functionally zero reason for any cell phone or um you know like internet stick or any of that sort needed to be 5g it's performing perfectly the speeds and everything are performing perfectly fine where they currently are and satisfying what the needs are the reason why there's such a large investment is because the trucking comp the trucking world is switching to or planning on switching to self-automated cars right so with that um, quicker communication, the ability to recognize things, the access to the internet at a very, very high speed. You know, I think it's going to come quicker than we all really anticipate. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think I do see it happening in our lifetime in terms of like actual infrastructure, whether that's consistent worldwide is something you know that remains to be seen but i think there will be at least like test communities and development that way even in controlled settings um but something that would have with the specific intention of just duplicating in that larger scale for for lifestyle and everything Mm -hmm. like that i think my one main concern and I'll, i'll be interested to hear what concerns you guys have as well is just when it comes to giving up that control so when you're in the self-driving car obviously you wouldn't be driving if if it's going to be performing at the level that everyone generally pictures you know it it takes you from point a to point b without you actually affecting the the travel itself and for me i think a problem that i have is just that letting go experience because i've been fortunate where I haven't made any mistakes or or gotten into an accident. And so what if the algorithm in the artificial intelligence gets me into an accident and, you know, changes the direction of my life and that sort of thing, you know? So I think there will be problems in terms of if, you know, that success isn't 100% safe then it'll be really difficult for people to actually, you know, buy in entirely. Because <clears throat> as soon as it falls below perfect, it's the machine's fault and, and everything like that. Even if the actual number of accidents a year drops so drastically, those few that still exist, I think, are going to be potentially problematic. For sure. So let me ask you this question. Do you want a feature where all cars are self-driving and autonomous? I think I like the idea of it, but I always like the old manual takeover mode. <laughs> like, I don't think it should be in a place where the only way to get around is through autonomous mm-hmm. vehicles. I think, that, I think that's a dangerous precedent, and um, it, it should never go that far. At least with the knowledge <laughs> I have now and, and where the tech is. What do you think, right. Brian? It's got to go so one way or another. Yes. Oh, yeah, you go. Well, sorry, sorry. The other challenge I see is that I don't know if the vehicles would be able to work half autom- like half automated and half manual. And by manual, I mean like human drivers and half automated drivers. Because I think one of the things that makes, that will make 
autonomous vehicles so efficient is that they'll be able to communicate with each other and make decisions based on what's best for every car on the road. Whereas when you're driving, you're only really making decisions for your vehicle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can maybe base some of your decisions off of other things, but like conceivably you can have no traffic lights for self-driving cars because the cars will be so good at communicating with each other that they won't crash driving through an intersection at different directions. Mm -hmm. Right. So instead of needing to have red lights to stop traffic flow in one direction, self-driving cars could drive at any speed theoretically and communicate with each other to hit gaps in between intersections. So in my mind, I don't really see autonomous cars coexisting in a world where people are still making manual decisions because people make irrational decisions. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more difficult to predict for an autonomous car, a human decision on the road. Whereas if it's autonomous cars predicting other autonomous car decisions, there isn't much to predict because the car can communicate saying, okay, with every other car on the road, I'm going to make a lane change in two kilometers because I need to be going here. Right. Whereas human drivers want at any second. So that's, that's kind of, I think another big barrier that I see in like, in order for this to work properly, everybody needs to have an autonomous car because otherwise the decisions are just too, um, they're just too varied and Mm -hmm. there's just too many outcomes. But in order to achieve a system like you're talking about, everything would have to be redesigned, right? Yeah. Because no matter how we get to point A or point B at any given time of our day, we always start and finish that death, that journey or experience as a pedestrian in some way, shape or form. So whether that's accounting for enhanced or uh, different approach to crosswalks, to sidewalks um, from commuting perspective, I don't think it has to be one way or another. What I would like to see as part of the first two big advancements in AI and uh, automobiles is one, the elimination of or somehow improvement of distracted driving. Mm. So whether that's you're unable, like if you, you're like your car recognizes that you're driving, you can't have a phone in your hand. Like something of the sort of your phone will always stay locked while you're in the car or you're in the driver's seat. And it identifies that. I don't know what that looks like. I'm just shooting, spitballing some ideas. The second right. piece is is um, with driving under the influence um, that I, I think there's a big role in AI to come into all cars to be able to identify um, in the short term of, you know, if in doubt the driver has to take over from like and go into manual mode, how can I guarantee that they're not under the influence, right? Or even before that, just... In order to start this car, you need to do X, Y, Z, blow into this breathalyzer. You need to do this, whatever that may be, um, for your car to start and for you to get to point A to point B. Because there's a lot of very simple things that we haven't really utilized technology for that I think would decrease a lot of accidents and poor judgment, um, more of like a safety risk. Right. So you're saying if the goal of having autonomous vehicles is to make driving safer, there are other things we can do to make driving safer in the meantime before we get there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
We shouldn't have to wait for them to drive themselves. And even if we do, I think we'll still be in predicaments that now what's the, what's, I would say, what's the explanation for me to go to the bar, have 10 drinks, and I know my car can get me home safely because it's self-driving. I just get in the back seat and I drive or, and the car drives me home. Like, right. Technically that's not drinking and driving, but from a functionality or an acceptance or even an emergency situation kind of perspective where, how do our laws, how do our laws shift? How do our, our society start to um, even shift their perception of what's good and bad now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of where Graham, I think was opening up with this. So I just wanted to kind of get our background takes, but um, yeah, I mean, in a world where cars are self-driving, I think this is where you were getting to your questions, Graham. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want me to go for it? <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so like, you know, we can discuss many different ethical scenarios, but do, yeah, for starters, do you believe that saving the majority of people will always, like, it will be a rule of thumb that should be implemented for AI? No, I don't. Okay, can you tell me why? I think it's unfair to value every life like to say that one life equals another life. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's unfair to say that, that more people are more valuable to the world than other people. But I think if we're talking about choosing who gets to live and who gets to die, which again, like nobody should ever put in that example or that, that scenario mm-hmm. where they have to make that decision. But I think if it does come down to it, I think you start have to start looking at who are these individuals? Like if you're telling me I have to decide whether I want to kill three people or four people because this car is going to make an accident and like the four people are Hitler and his gang. Uh So you're telling me that by saving more people, like that's the right option. So obviously it's a complicated answer, but I think that it's not as simple as saying saving the most people is the best decision. Right. You disagree? No, not not necessarily. I just think that brings up a, a really interesting conversation to have of ranking and valuing people. Yes. It's almost as though we're getting into, what's that show? It's Black Mirror, I think it's called on yep. Netflix. Yep. That there's... Yep. I don't. I I've only seen one episode, so I don't know if this is how the show actually works. But about how all of your peers can rank you, and people are striving mm-hmm. to get the best social media ranking. You can rank anybody at any given time, um, and like that's what de- determines your worth. Yep. And also that show on Community. Like even yeah, <laughs> we look at like even look at Hitler. If we want to go to extremes, let's go to Hitler. That looking at a German society. Mm-hmm. There would be, like, I mean, he got voted in, <laughs> yep. but like, there's still a decent amount of people. I shouldn't say still. There was a decent amount of people that truly believed that he would, his life would be worth saving, and that for sure he should be saved. Sure. And so it, then it comes into the question of how on earth do we determine, like Graham was getting at, what that worth? Yeah, what's the definition of worth or value? And how do we even come up with some sort of algorithm? And my brain is way too small to be able to think on that level. Well, but 
So, but on, okay, so on a broad concept base, um, in the ethics class that I'm TAing, there's this concept of cultural relativism, mm -hmm. right? where things differ and values differ and belief systems differ mm -hmm. and everything differs based on your culture, your society. Right. So sure, if you're going to talk about a German culture, you're right. Like, like socialism and communism were the valued um, ideologies at the time. And therefore, people followed it because they believed it was right. Just like how democracy is valued in North America. It doesn't make it right for the rest of the world, but it's something that we value here. And that's what our decisions are based off of. Mm -hmm. So again, like you're right, it's not as easy as saying, well, this person's worth more than the other person. But I don't know. I think to say that you should save more people than less people it's too simple of an answer. I don't think it, it doesn't, it doesn't look into, like, I just think it's not fair. Like I, any scenario is obviously not fair, but to say that more lives are saved, therefore it's good. Doesn't make it good. Mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say. But I think at some point you do have to get down to a simplified, simplified version, right? As a basis in a philosophy of, you know, how from the ground up are we going to build the system? Mm -hmm. And what is the first, if, if this car only has 0.2 of a second to make a decision, and that means it, only, it can only process three options, right? In order to make this decision before it serves right or serves left to avoid a collision, like, or to avoid, let's say, catastrophic events. Mm -hmm. Left is two people, right is four people. Which way do I surf, swerve? Or left's two 90-year-olds, right is two children or even one Mother child. Stroller, right? Which one do I choose? And I think that's ultimately where, if this is the way that it goes, that that's how simplified it will have to start at because there'll be different timing inter intervals and different processing times in order to make a decision. And it's going to have to have the ability to say, yes, this option is better than this option instead of just staying the course and who knows, like you. Right. So Yeah, I don't know. I disagree. I think if it's going to be that simple, then it won't be allowed. Like that's not a good enough answer, I don't think, to where you can just say, well, it has to make a decision, right? Yeah. To choose. Yeah, this is a mm -hmm. different kind of thematic point here, but at the same time worthwhile bringing up. I don't think it will get adopted socially or culturally kind of all or nothing. Because one thing that we know will happen is financial ability to afford these self-driving cars. And let's be serious. In a community, there are more people who probably won't be able to afford it than people who will be. Um, with the technology and even the, the cameras and the sensors and mm -hmm. the CPU, the RAM, the 5G connectivity, all of this is going to play a factor in the price. And are we really going to be able to ask or expect as a society people who are working two minimum wage jobs that are supporting their family to ditch their 2001 Toyota Corolla that's on its last leg in order to like join in with the rest of everybody else? Mm -hmm. So let's, let's bring it back then and just pose the question of should the rules be 100% consistent worldwide? No. Tell me why. 
because rules inherently aren't consistent worldwide. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at uh, that uh, the journalism who the journalist sorry who just got murdered Saudi in Arabia. Saudi Arabia yeah. and their leaders are pretending like nothing even happened and aren't even acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to, you know, if that were to happen, I'll say in Canada because this is where we live i think that would be a completely different story and that wouldn't even be a part of the conversation so along that train of thought would the or should the saudi arabian government be able to dictate their laws for autonomous vehicle vehicles if they were to say do something as extreme as value a male life over a female it's difficult to comment from here. Mm-hmm. Personally, I would say no. Right. But I think from a cultural perspective, and you can't, uh, you can't go into somebody else's culture and act like you know better because you won't get anywhere with them, right? Or that you know, sm- like you know, you're smarter. You can make better decisions. Right. So I think having a conversation and maybe coming up with a pr- principled list of what we all agree on. But we won't be able to create laws that are going to be able to govern everybody worldwide that were um, that are going to be consistent with everybody's societies, mm-hmm. cultural values, norms, how we were, how we place worth on our lives. I mean, in China, it's people who work the longest, like are the most respected, right? Who work the most hours, and um, they're not even actually like they measure output, but at the same time, it's also how many hours can you spend at the office in a row. And that's what makes you a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And accumulated wisdom. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and respected and more likely to get a promotion and so on and so forth. So in that sense, does do we then bring into the decision-making people who work more hours at their job or in society mm-hmm. get priority over the child or the grandma or the grandpa or whatever that may be um, in that situation? I just... I think if it's going to be globally, it will never happen. There's going to be way too much resistance. Yeah, obviously a lot more has to be revealed and and planned for before this gets going on any sort of larger scale. Yeah, and like a very simple example from a global perspective would be, I think you go into any society and most people would say, you know, you just, you shouldn't kill people. Mm -hmm. Like that's pretty standard. Good rule of thumb. But yet... We have governments, we have uh, more or less or not governments or, or military militia who just completely disregard that fact. And we don't have all the countries in the world other than that one standing up and saying, hey, what you're doing is completely wrong. There's still people who aren't willing to talk. They're not pe- people who are willing to support the notion that, you know, governments shouldn't be going in and assassinating their citizens or just making them disappear off the map. But it's still happening mm-hmm. every day, every day of our lives. And if we can't even come on an agreement of something as simple as don't murder each other. And if you do, it's bad and we should stick up for each other and try to, you know, uphold this policy and this value in all scenarios. How on earth are we going to get, you know, an agreement for what we all value in people or what we all prioritize and even not even let's not even go off of like the decision making rid of an accident, but even what we value as necessities in a self-driving car and its capabilities to start as kind of square one to enforce that globally. Yeah. 
I think it, what I'd like to see is at least to have, see a conversation being had at a global level to at least establish what everyone will be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so as opposed to everyone just you know deciding by themselves, at least have more of an open forum, um, like in a sort of like UN setting or, or something like that, just to establish something and then understand what individual choices groups can make that suit their culture more appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting future. Um, but it's it's all of these questions and these moral and ethical dilemmas that I think will be the biggest barriers in in letting it come to fruition. And it's partly why I don't really see self-driving cars being everyday household items in our lifetime Mm -hmm. because I think there are just too many variables. Like I think you can get to the Tesla autopilot stage where it drives by itself, but you're always there to take over just in case. But I think like as time goes on, there's only going to be more and more vehicles on the road and more and more people making decisions. And I think you're just going to get into too many situations where how do you answer these types of questions? See what I think we will see in the next 10, I would probably say 10 years is designated lanes specifically for transportation drivers, AKA I shouldn't say drivers vehicles. Mm -hmm. Um, That will be the first industry that will set the, I'll say set the tone of pass or fail. Um, Cause like the Canadian government has already recognized and is working towards, you know, implementing this 5g specifically for the transportation industry and this is the next wave and the first wave actually of ai and automation is from self-driving 18 wheelers that whether there's somebody in there or not i think the test is going to be have to be for them to be in their own lane own lanes their designated lanes in order for the pilot to go as smoothly as possible or as uh, I'll say with the least amount of variables as possible, if that makes sense. So the only challenges I see with that is like now all of a sudden we're talking about making, cause there's no way you could go to the 401 and take a lane away. Right. Like you'd have to build in another, like another lane. If, if one lane was specifically designated for only transportation, like only we'll call them big trucks, 18 wheelers. Mm-hmm. I think it would speed up traffic. It's the it's the largest highway. It's well, we all know that it's Trans Canada, but at the end of the day, it's the um, it's the population of transport truck drivers on that and actual vehicles on that highway on a daily basis is. I would probably. Uh, I mean, I would say it's close to one to one. Of like regular cars yeah. to eighteen wheelers. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I agree. But what happens when they get what happens when they get off the highway? Oh, that's fair. I think oh, they'll probably drive in regular lanes. Right, but now we're talking about massive vehicles with no human behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. But it has to start in some capacity, 
Right. So yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it could be, they go to a loading station and then there after the highway, somebody jumps in and gets it like from a company and takes it from point A to point B off the highway. They're just like checkpoints. Yeah. For rural driving, if that's where you're going or for city driving, but from a, you know, we're going from Windsor to Nova Scotia by truck. And that's a 21 hour drive. Instead of having to make a driver do three days or two days of driving, it goes in one trip now. In one day, it's there. Yeah, that's legit. And just at, at points like trucks, truck stops. Truck stops, there's inspections. And then also, you know, right before it gets off the highway, it pulls in and then that's where a, a worker or a driver comes and picks it up and drives it throughout the city to actually go and dock at that facility where it's needing to go. That's legit. That I can see as being a real solution. And I and you're right, because if all these vehicles are all self-driving, then they can keep minimal gaps. See, like... Even then, it's difficult because, like, what lane would they be in? The far right lane? Mm-hmm. But that's the lane that passenger vehicles use to get on and off the highway. Mm-hmm. So it could be far left. And then they have to how did, they merge over. How did they get off? Who knows? I, yeah. I understand. You don't, like, you're not saying you know all the answers and that this is the solution. You're just saying yeah. that this is the first step towards implementing this technology. Yeah, Definitely. and we've all like Tesla's already been able to change lanes and you stay within its lanes in their autopilot already. Like the technology is right. there in order to even drive right. and have an autopilot mode with drivers around you. It now will come up to or come into play of like at where at which point do we give or does society give the thumbs up or governments give the thumbs up in order to take the risk of because we've seen it in the self driving test that Google's done. Out of 500,000 tests, one accident happens, and the only thing that we see on the news isn't one out of 500,000. It's auto car with autopilot gets an accident. Uh-oh, we shouldn't yeah. do this. Right? Yeah. But how many accidents out of how many thousands of drivers happen every day? Or tens of thousands? I agree. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. For sure. It's safer. 100%. It's safer, but you still need to have somebody to pull that trigger or not just with the human element and humans having to make the decision of whether they go or not, there's going to have to be a sense of uh, empathy, understanding and some sort of emotional communication as well to be there to sell the message. I don't know, like I'm trying to figure out the words to communicate what I'm trying to say, but it's not as simple as you take ownership of driving away from somebody and you just go look at these stats. You have to kind of sell it a little bit more than that. Yeah, and I think, you know, that again highlights the challenge with the entire process of any mistake that mm-hmm. AI makes versus a human driver making. Because if one of these transports hits me, well, I'm driving, money my own business, mm-hmm. I'm irate. Like, that's the worst thing ever from my perspective or from any driver's perspective because it's that feeling of you know a lack of control or lack of onus over any one person regardless what like any sort of compensation uh, may be and so 
I think obviously what we've established is a, <laughs> a lot has to be done and different steps have to be taken to pilot and you know test and develop in different ways uh, both at like the ethical and philosophical level but then also the concrete infrastructure um, level as well mm-hmm. yeah I think we're you're right I think we're definitely really really far off but it's interesting because you have to look at these scenarios in order to evaluate whether or not it's possible like do i think it'll happen i guess eventually yeah actually you know what i think will happen first before all cars are self-driving is cars that can fly or like hovercrafts Mm -hmm. like i think that'll be such a safer way of traveling vehicles pardon to become like road-faring vehicles no not, not sorry by hovercrafts i don't mean like the traditional inflatable skirt big fan at the back i mean like like cars that fly mm-hmm. right no i understand that so, but you you mean to like to literally have like quote unquote like a flying highway or something I, I was picturing like just a car that does completely fly slash hover but still you know use existing infrastructure to guide why? flight why why would it use like why would it need to use any roads or anything like that? well i feel like it could save a lot of energy by not having to propel itself entirely through the air as opposed to using a ground-based system still. For sure. But that, like, I could see that technology, like superconductor technology being used more for, like, trains. Right. Or, like, mass passenger-moving type systems. But in terms of the passenger vehicle, like, I don't know, having a flying car is so much safer than to me, than, than being on the road where vehicles are only going to be more and more prevalent mm-hmm. as the year Right? So the more we can utilize that space above the road, like, infinitely increases the opportunity of being safe while traveling. See, I'm really interested to see if, on a locally level, the our municipal government here regional um with the regional waterloo actually follow through with a commitment with toronto to create like the high speed rail because the one problem that autonomous vehicles won't solve is carbon emissions Mm -hmm. um and the fact that our current way of transportation is not sustainable and like needs to change now Uh, i'm guilty i drive a gas car and I work like seven kilometers down the road for myself. I could easily jump on the bus or bike to work and just have to leave a little bit earlier, but that hasn't really been a part of my culture. But looking at alternative ways to get to where we need to go and have more connected cities, not just within our own cities, but also connecting to other cities is going to be an interesting uh, development in the next handful of years just from the planning perspective and the commitment from monetary funds in order to get these moving because if I can go to Toronto now within 45 minutes or an hour that's the same time that it would take for me to drive there and I now I don't have to drive oh less than it would take you to drive there right yeah Toronto Toronto's an hour and not in traffic I'm saying no traffic it's an hour yeah but when does that happen uh pretty much any time outside of like like after 7 p.m or 
you have to leave in the morning, you have to leave before, I would probably say five, five thirty. <laughs> yeah. I've done it in the mornings. It's 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 in between five five thirty and six, depending on the day and the, the time of year. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I think you're right. That's probably a more viable future of transportation is finding better ways of moving mass amounts of people more efficiently um, in terms of public transit as opposed to personal transit. Because Brian, I think you made a great point. Like this technology comes at a price and while it's great, it comes at a huge price. And the more people that exist in the world, the more people that will be below that line who aren't able to afford or don't have access or access um, to that kind of technology, and there's no way that they're going to be able to get a hold of it. So you're right. The future is definitely in mass transportation, but you're right. It's our culture that comes back to the whole, we need to do everything individually and on our own. And yeah. we need to have our own means of personal transportation. And what might, what might be really interesting to see is like a government's commitment to do something along the lines of like Uber's pool or ride sharing pooling option. And they do it in Toronto of you say you want to go from, say you want to go from the Eaton Center to the, now the Scotiabank Arena. Um, when you go to request your app or your ride, you can click the pooling option, which then will decrease the amount that it costs, but then you're going to share it with one or two other people who will also get picked up along the way. So it might take you longer to get there, um, but you don't have to pay as much. So Governments buying into that system to say now we're providing these rideshare apps or these autonomous car share apps or even buses of which I'm going to put in my address. I'm going to put in my destination within within my own city. It's going to tell me within the next half hour when I need to leave, when it's going to pick me up, you know, when I'm going to get there and coordinate with all of these other people who are also trying to get from point A to point B and figure out in real time what the best route is, what the best pickup points are, what the most efficient way to get people around to reduce the amount of single use or single driver vehicles mm -hmm. on the road. I think, I think that will definitely work well in some areas in the world. Yeah, not in all. Yeah, not for a variety of reasons, yes. but the, yeah, the one aspect that I think is super relevant with that is just the cultural side of things and just yes. the valuing of, you know, personal transportation, yep. private transportation and Time. that sort of thing. And it, you know, it's generally seen that if you, you know, you don't have private transportation, it's just because you don't want to or can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole sort of quirky mentality that, obviously has to be addressed at some level uh, for, for the future of the planet's sake. But um, it, it's sort of a, a larger issue that we can't just change in a day. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Do you want to take us away, Brandon? Yeah. So heavy, heavy, heavy discussion. Yeah. But I think, again, like it's just another discussion that I think the more people have, the more time... So thinking about these ideas, um, the better solutions eventually we'll come up with, and the better our future is going to be. Yeah, right? I'm the more optimistic. people that I think we have thinking about these things, the more people that care about these things, the more people that will vote when it comes time to talking about these things, and the better decisions and the better represented these outcomes will actually be. 
which I think is inherently positive. Um, you both mentioned chicken wing contest, so we did our chicken wing contest today. Um, we're going to share those details at some point uh, next week with the co-launch of Flamingo's limited edition collection. So stay tuned to IG for that and those results. And then also how you guys can get involved. So we're looking to jump on and help with the Flamingo Scholarship Fund. So we'll be putting out a GoFundMe page um, some point next week, sometime Monday or the Wednesday or the 5th or something like that. Um, so yeah, if we've sparked any discussions or thoughts or comments or concerns, obscene gestures, you know, his email is at that's so interesting pod at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Instagram at TSI Podcast or on Facebook at TSI podcast all right that's all for now last thoughts no thoughts no thoughts from us drive home safe. time for bed <laughs> drive home safe yeah make smart decisions get it there for the kids